Hello there, I'm Brett. He's Greg. How squeaky is your chair today, Greg? Uh, it's not that bad. Squeaky enough that it's distracting. How about yours, Brett? This one's actually... This one seems to be okay right now. All right. If you hear chairs squeaking in the background, feel free to drop off some WD-40. It's 1440 <laughs> Jack Blick <laughs> Avenue at Polo Park. We, we would welcome your donation. Yeah, we have uh, old squeaky chairs in our studio. <laughs> so if you ever hear the, that noise, it's we're not, you know, it's a, not a weird symphony of cacophonous noise in the background. It's just our chairs. You just heard a, a slight squeak out of Greg's chair. So yep. are we trying to now? Uh, are we, are we upping the ante in terms of trying to get new chairs in here? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> I think it's a subtle campaign. Yes. Mm, okay. Well, we could maybe <laughs> crank that up. A notch if if you'd like to. But what do you want to talk about to kick things off? Thanks for putting together the entire show in my absence this morning. I really appreciate that. Yeah. You are producer extraordinaire. All that experience working with Charles Adler really comes into play when on days like today when I'm not here in the morning. So Greg's thanks being, for your work, buddy. Greg's being modest. He did most of this work no, yesterday. No, 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 no. I'm excited about this because we have somebody coming in from O Donuts. And you may have seen them on social media. I've seen the. I think I've seen them on Instagram before, and I really should start following them. They have been included in USA Today's top ten donut shops in Canada, so that's pretty cool. So okay, so top ten, awesome. Mm-hmm. USA Today, really cool. Donuts Canada. How does it get any better? So she's going to come in. Amanda Kinden is the owner. She's going to pay us a visit at 3.07. And, of course, it's Thursday, so Carolyn Clausen is coming in at 2.30. She's going to tell us what she did for her birthday. And instead of getting gifts, she gave gifts. Her and her family cannot wait to share this with you. It is such a heartwarming story. And the things that Carolyn and her family did in honor of Carolyn's birthday, absolutely amazing. She gave gifts. She gave gifts. All right. Yeah, that's all we'll say. I'll have to ask her about that. I already have a no one I'm going to ask her. But right now I want to talk about vaping. And the reason why, Greg, is I saw this story come across yesterday out of San Francisco, and I'll just read it to you here. The headline is San Francisco to ban sales of vaping-flavored liquid. San Francisco has approved a bill that bans the sale of flavored nicotine-laced liquid used in electronic cigarettes and flavored tobacco products. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors unanimously approved the ban on Tuesday. Supervisors say that nicotine, masked in cotton candy, banana cream, mint, and other flavors, entices kids into a lifetime of addiction. Other cities have passed laws to reduce access to flavored vaping liquids and flavored tobacco, but San Francisco is the first in the country to approve a full ban. The measure requires another vote by the board, but uh, the law is probably going to take effect in 2018. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this, as you know, I mean, I've made no uh, attempt to hide the fact that I have I'm a reformed smoker. I think what day today is day 236. Uh, by the way, I just had to, had to double check there. So did 236 without smoking, but I did try vaping for about a year. In 2014, I, I tried to make the switch. Uh, it was May 2014, and I a friend of mine had done it, and he used to be a chain smoker, a hard chain smoker, and he was quite overweight. And he switched to vaping, and as a result of his vaping, he ended up losing weight because he found that he wasn't so short of breath anymore, and he could actually get up the stairs without panting, 
without wheezing. So he's losing weight. At the same time getting his nicotine fix. Yeah. So because a lot of people, it's easy to say, why don't you just quit? Mm. Some people can do it. We've seen Shadow Davis. He did it. Drop of a hat. Good for him. Congratulations to him. Jeff Braun also successfully was able to just go cold turkey. Some people can do it. Some people can't. I am one of those people who can't. So I watched my friend John make the switch to vaping. So I said, okay, I need to to do this as well because I have allergies for one. I'm allergic to not everything. I'm not allergic to life, but I kind of, (laughs) I'm allergic to a lot of things. I'm always blowing my nose. So it's really dumb. It's such a dumb thing when I think about the fact that I started smoking. But there it is. I started smoking. I'm a human being. I make mistakes. And I was tired of waking up every morning coughing and wheezing. So I made the switch to vaping. And I think the first the first flavor uh, that I tried was like, I don't know, raspberry or pomegranate or something like that. And eventually... Within, I'd say within three weeks, I was off of smoking and just, I'd replaced smoking with vaping. And I felt so much better. I felt so much better because the the wheezing was gone, the coughing was gone, all the tar and gunk that comes up, all the gross stuff, that was gone. But I still got my fix. I was still able to feed my addiction in, I'm not going to say a healthy way, Healthier. Yes, a healthier. I don't, the jury is still out on what mm-hmm. exactly is involved in this, but there are studies that I think are leaning more towards, you know what, vaping really isn't all that bad for you. Not, it's not certainly not good for you, but it's a, a safer alternative. Oh, yeah, comparatively speaking, I, I don't even need to see any research unless there's something crazy going on in that machine that you or I can't account for that we hadn't really thought about. Oh my gosh, there's some sort of intricate little manifestations going on inside of this machine that we just didn't think about. I can't see how it could possibly be anything but almost a perfect transition for people that want to transition from cigarettes to to vaping. I've never had a cigarette in my life. Good for you. Never had to start, never had to quit. I always say I quit the day I was born. <laughs> okay. My mom was a smoker, and oh, yes. uh, in that in that age, in that era, the '60s, I don't know if she smoked while she was pregnant with me or not. But I always say I quit the day I was born, and so I have a tremendous amount of respect for what you had to go through to quit and what you've done to quit. Because I I don't know anything about it, but I'm so proud of you for doing it. But yes, I mean, this vaping thing has to be multiple times safer and better for you than actually ingesting cigarettes. So I want to know from you at 204-780-6868, do you think that flavored juice should be banned? 204-780-6868, it's the number to call, it's the number to text. Because listen, I get the argument that these flavored vaping liquids can maybe lead kids to want to try it, you know, and a lot of times the packaging is rather colorful. It's all very enticing. These shops are not supposed to allow minors into the the stores. And all the the places that I used to shop at, I never saw any kids in there. I don't know how it is in the United States and who knows how strict people are being, but they are not supposed to allow minors into these shops. They're not supposed to have access to it. But kids being kids, if let's say you are Vapor Greg and kids being kids, you you do your best to hide the juice Mm -hmm. where your kids won't find it. But if, you know, kids snoop, they go through they go through things maybe they shouldn't be and they find the juice and then they want to try it 
Well, first of all, that's a huge problem. If they actually do try the juice, if they try to drink it, that's dangerous. Of that's course. that's potentially fatal. So, right. you, parents, if you if you vape and you have kids, you've got to make sure to keep that juice out of your kids' hands at all costs. But even just seeing the packaging might make them want to. Oh, this is blueberry cotton candy. That's what I used to vape. When at the end, it was blueberry cotton candy. Oh, I you think, big kids! I you. think it was Doctor Fog was the name of the brand because when you blow clouds, you get the big fog. Do we have a call here? We have a call. James and Tannis are both waiting. Do we have time to talk to them now? What well, do you want to do? Let's talk to them right now at 204-780-6868. We'll start with James. Whoa. Good afternoon, guys. Hi, James. Are you in a tornado right now? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going into the... I'm getting out of the wind right now. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry to be a smart, a smart Alec. What do you think about no, no, the vaping I, juice, James? Well, I, I just want to weigh in on that and, and just... To uh, confirm a few things, what you've already basically been saying is, uh, first thing is I, I smoked cigarettes for 21 years, and the last 10 years I smoked, I was smoking about a pack a day, maybe more, a pack and a half a day. And uh, when I turned 40, I noticed uh, my health and my energy and just everything really decreasing, and I started to really struggle with the cigarette smoke and quitting, and I tried many different techniques, failing every time. Uh, a friend of mine recommended picking up a, a vape from uh, one of our local vape stores. And at that time, I was, you know, like a lot of other people, very cautious, didn't really think it would do anything for me. And I really believe uh, two years later uh, that it was the best decision I probably could have made for myself when it came to the smoking. I don't think I would have ever quit. I would be just a lifer like my grandfather, like my father, like my mother. And I haven't touched a cigarette in over two years, uh, not even cheated once. And I, and I just attribute it to the vape. Um, uh, I think the juices, the flavored juices, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and honestly, uh, two years ago when I started using this vape and I realized how successful it was and how good it was, I wondered then how long it would take for our government to try and get in on that and get a little piece of that pie. So that's One, really my comment I wanted to make was I've been kind of – you know, I, I I knew that there would there would come a time when our government and our officials would see this vaping as a uh, another type of tax grab and another way to get a little bit of money out of us is kind of the way I'm seeing it, and I think it's slowly growing more and more. And uh, we should watch that because it's kind of uh, you know we want to quit smoking, and uh, vaping is the best way to do it. Well, James, I want to say congratulations for uh, making the transition from smoking to vaping. You've probably no doubt extended your life cycle, so good for you, man. I uh, appreciate you telling us your story. Thanks, guys. Thank you for your time. All good right. on you, James. Well done. We'll go to Tannis uh, right before we pause for the forecast. Hey, Tannis, what do you think? Should vape juice, flavored vape juice, be banned? Uh, well, when I work at a school, and when I see kids, and I've talked to these kids, that have never smoked before, and they're smoking these vapes, it, it bothers me a little bit. How old are these kids? These kids are, well, they're teenagers. They could be anything from 15 to 17, 18. Where are so they getting? they're getting their hands on. I have no idea. I don't ask them. Well, and here's the th- and that's an interesting point, Tannis, uh, but... I mean, this is something that, that's always gone on, right? I mean, Greg, it was probably the same yep. for you. I don't know, Tannis, probably the same for you in high school. There was always a group of kids who, uh, who smoked. You know, you wondered where always. they got their cigarettes. And I, like Greg, I've never touched a cigarette, never wanted to touch a cigarette, never have. My son is the same way. And uh, my dad, my dad smoked uh, before my brother was born. 
And my brother was little when he turned around and asked my dad, why do you smoke? My dad couldn't come up with a good enough answer, so he quit, and he used to pop peppermints in his mouth every time he wanted to have a cigarette. That's a great, uh, you know, actually, I've, I've taken to the hard candies as well sometimes. If I, if I feel, or when I was trying to quit, I would do the, the Campino, the yogurt, uh, strawberry yeah. candies. And there's lots of sugar-free candies out there that are a great option as well to just suck on those instead of having a cigarette and not have to worry about the calories then. So Tannis is the answer to come down a little bit harder on the retailers to make sure as much, yeah. much as we can that these sorts of things aren't getting into the hands of kids? Or is it the idea that San Francisco is taking is to ban the flavored ones so that there's nothing that the kids can quote-unquote enjoy in terms of the vaping? I don't think it's the flavor at all. I don't think the flavor has anything to do with it because these kids ha- had, uh, I forget what flavor it was. It wasn't even a berry flavored or anything that I would think the kids would enjoy. And I don't think it has anything to do with the flavor. It's the fact that it looks cool. They're doing it. And yeah. All right. Tannis, thank you so much for your feedback. No we problem. do appreciate it. At 204-780-6868. Want to know what you think? Should flavored vape juice be banned? San Francisco is taking steps to ban it so that they want, they want to protect the children. They want the kid to protect. Who's going to think of the children? Who's going to protect the children? They want to protect the kids so the kids don't get hooked on vaping and then maybe step into smoking. I get that, but at the same time, if you're and a grown adult, you should be able to vape or what, you know, if it's a legal product, you should be able, I think, you should be have access to it. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. It is the number to text. We do need to pause and have a look at your forecast up next. Get outside, enjoy some warmth while you can. Sun is shines actually quite a nice afternoon. Greg and Brett with you. We're talking about vaping and, and these flavored juices for vape machines. And Brett, I have to tell you, to me, this boils down to parenting. Yep. I don't like things that encourage my kids to do certain things and act like an adult in a way that I don't want them to act down the road. Yep. Uh, did I say that right? Like right now, I'm trying to monitor their behavior so that behavior doesn't turn into inappropriate adult behavior. We were talking about off-air, about those Popeye cigarettes. Yep. They, you can still get them. I can't believe that. You know, and... Once again, I'm not a ban guy, but A, they're inappropriate. But if you're a parent and you see your kid having one of these candy cigarettes pretending to be a cigarette, it's not funny. It's not cute. I don't let my kids have them. Yeah. I, there's something disturbing about that. Maybe it works for other people, does not work for me. And uh, it's just like with the beer. In my house, I will not let my kids go to the fridge and get me a beer. If I want a beer, I get my own beer. I do not let my kids touch the booze. Well, that's interesting. Good for you, man. Jason is at 204-780-6868. Jason, what do you think? Should uh, flavored vape juice be banned? No, absolutely not. I smoked for years, and vaping completely reversed my health. I still vape today. But if you think about it, the tobacco industry, in my opinion, is losing probably billions of dollars to the whole vaping world. And they're just upset. You know, if you look at the European health medical journals, which I follow because I vape, they have proven... Over and over again, the vaping is just not toxic or dangerous. Yeah. Well, and you raise a good point. Uh, I mean, because there, there are a lot of people who are unhappy with vaping. You've got Big Tobacco, who, of course, hates vaping. You've got 
Big Pharma, who is upset because people are turning to vaping instead of the, the, the drugs. Or, yeah. And then you've got the government, who is upset because they want their piece of the pie. So vaping is the enemy in so many people's eyes, even though it's it's actually probably, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it is savings, saving people's lives. Yeah, and you know what? People fear what they don't understand, right? Yeah. Jason, I appreciate the call. Thank you so much. I want to read Tyler's text message here, Brett, because you and I were talking about this off the air as well. I hate to compare it to liquor, but liquor is so much more dangerous than vaping, and you can buy a bottle of vodka in any flavor you can imagine. Tyler, that's uh, unbelievable that you sent us that text because that is the very example I gave to Greg. I said you can – so it's bad. So cotton candy, vape juice is bad, but the cotton candy vodka that you make tax dollars off of is okay. Come on. That just doesn't seem right to me. John is at 204-780-6868. Hey, John, what do you think? Hi. Uh, just so you know, the candy cigarettes are called candy sticks now, and they don't have the red tip anymore. <laughs> so they got away from the cigarette part. But I don't think anything should be banned. It's a choice in life you make, and we should have the freedom that we're supposed to have to make the choice. It's like I'm an adult, but I still like flavored stuff just because I'm not a kid. And, uh, yeah, that's my opinion. I think it should be a choice you can make. John, I appreciate that, and I agree with you 100%. If I am a smoker and I want to maybe make the transition to vaping because I've tried to quit smoking, and if blueberry cotton candy vape juice is going to help me not smoke cigarettes, I don't see the problem with that. Yes, we obviously want to keep this stuff out of the hands of kids and teenagers, but... I think lawmakers are going a little too far. 204-780-6868 is the number to call, and it's the number to text. we got a break for news at 1.30. That's up next. You picked a winner to talk about to kick the show off today, Brett. Lots of people want to get in on this idea of flavored vape liquid, vaping flavored liquid being banned potentially in San Francisco, all good bans all bad bands, let's face it, all bands start in California somewhere, <laughs> it would seem, in this day and age. We're talking about vaping, we're talking about the benefits, some of the concerns, and the idea of why it might make sense to ban these flavored vaping liquids. Uh, this is an effort, according to the proposed legislation at least, to dissuade children from from trying this. And Brett, I mentioned to you uh, before we came back, when I was 16, 17, if... I wanted to get beer. It was no problem. Yeah, it's probably still not a problem. I I drove, uh, when I was driving to work the other day, going up Harrow, standing outside of Kelvin High School, about five five guys, five teenagers, all smoking cigarettes. So they're like, this is not something that's going to change as time goes on. Young people are going to get their hands on whatever they want to get their hands on if they really want to get their hands on it. Well, and the... Key is to educate kids into not wanting to try this stuff. But guess what? Um, we're never going to convince all the kids to never do anything they're not supposed to. In fact, in case you haven't noticed, they sort of like doing things they're not supposed to do. I waited until I was 19 to start smoking. Like, what an idiot. Mike is at 204-780-6868. Uh, hey, hey, Mike, what do you think about this? Good afternoon, guys. Um, I have no problem with the flavored vape juice. I have a son who's 19. He started smoking cigarettes at 15. I, I didn't know that as a parent. But at 17, he stopped and started vaping uh, to, to still get the nicotine because he's used to it. But since he started vaping, 
He said his taste buds have come back. He can really enjoy food now. He's got more energy. He sleeps better. Um, and the vape juice is flavored, and that makes it, I guess, more enjoyable for him. I, I drink rum. I don't like rum straight on ice. I like it with Coke. Coke is sweeter. It makes the rum taste better. You know, adults, we, we, we add flavors to stuff to make food. everything taste better. Uh, our kid's going to try it? Absolutely. But, you know, if you talk to any kid in junior high, you know, if they haven't smoked pot, uh, they know someone who does. Like, kids are going to try stuff, and I think that you're kidding yourself by taking the flavor away that kids won't do it. Just like when they at the gas station now, they hide the cigarettes behind a drape or a, a door. I don't think that deters kids. You're going to smoke, you're going to smoke if you see the cigarette or not. And I think the vape juice, the flavor, it just gives people that vape that have stopped smoking, uh, it gives them a little variety. That's my opinion. Mike, and, and thank you for your opinion. I would be remiss as a fellow uh, consumer of rum if I didn't ask you, <laughs> what kind of rum are you putting into your Coke? Um, I like the uh, Captain Spiced. Okay. Well, I, I was going to say, if you ever want to try, and I realize this has nothing to do with our conversation, but if you ever want to try rum that is actually really good straight, I recommend uh, the Diplomatico, uh, I think it's Reserva Exclusiva. It's in a green bottle. I appreciate that. I it's, like martinis. I drink uh, bourbon straight, so maybe I'll try the rum straight that uh, way. It's a bit more expensive, but uh, trust me, it's it's worth it, man. It's a good uh, good investment. You get what you pay for. Okay, Mike, thanks for the call. Thanks for the patience you held on for like eight and a half minutes. Josh thanks, has Mike. been waiting also for eight and a half minutes. Let's go to Josh at 204-780-6868. Hey, Josh, what do you think about flavored vape juice? Good day, gentlemen. A couple comments. Your new show, love it. Good. You guys are nailing it. Thank you. Um... Listeners are uh, really enjoying it, I do believe. And um, do you guys remember the old gumstick uh, cigarettes where you puff on them and you blow out and a big puff of powdered flavor, whatever, would come out of the end of them like you're actually, your smoke is actually smoking? I remember those as a kid. Wow, Josh, I oh. don't. Uh, do you remember these? No, but you're... that sounds... Forte remembers. Yes. He's, oh, well, I remember those for sure. Jeff Forte and Master Control just I put up his I don't remember hand. those. Uh, where that, was, you... that was the 80s. You could get away with a lot more. Oh, those were in the 90s so. as well. Were they? Oh, okay. What were these I things called? I them by then. Oh, I, I don't remember. Just, they, 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 were... they were a pack of gum. They had a white uh, paper wrapper, and inside the paper wrapper was like a, just a, a powder, a white powder, and you would blow on it, and a big puff of smoke would come out of the end like a cigarette. Man, so that's that's you know what that's ingenious. Yeah, these that's I bet you it was funded by some sort of tobacco company. I I had the, the candy smokes. I had the candy gum cigarettes. I had never smoked a day in my life. It's education. It doesn't even really. I don't want my kids taking the the candy cigarettes nowadays. But I think with the right education and the right parents, uh, I, I I really don't even think that stuff comes into play personally. As far as the vape juice flavors, that's just them using the kids as an excuse to try to uh, knock their competition down a peg. That's all it is. They they could care less about consumers and safety and all that because they they allow smoking to this day. Smoking's not illegal. If they really cared, smoking would be banned across the board, and they don't give a flying two hoots about anybody but the bottom line. Hey, Josh, uh, not that I didn't believe you. They were called bubble gum cigarettes. Found them online, and yeah. uh, you'll be bringing those uh, back to life for a lot of people listening this afternoon. Appreciate you they were chiming tasty. in. They were good. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Josh is now an official distributor of bubblegum cigarettes here in Winnipeg. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the call and for bringing us down memory lane here. I'm going to, I wonder, there's that candy shop that sells all the old candy. What is it, Sugar Mountain? Right at there. the forks in the old uh, train car there. Yeah. And I think, is, they still have one on Gordon, haven't you? No, the one on Gordon's gone. I think when they, they closed that, they just moved to the okay. forks. But I remember going into the, when, when it was on Gordon, and they still had that big league chew. Do you remember that bubble gum that is meant to look like chewing tobacco? 100%. Good God. Invented by two guys that played minor league baseball in Portland. And that team was owned by Kurt Russell's dad. There's a great documentary about that baseball team. And I'll get the name of it while we, uh, while we talk to our next caller here. Man, you should be on Jeopardy. That is a Cliff Clavin-esque random I tidbit. don't have the exact answer, so I wouldn't get any points. I would be dancing around. I might get 50 cents for that uh, description. Dorian is at 204-780-6868. Hello there, Dorian. What do you think about flavored vape juice? Oh, I got no problem with it. Uh, I've never tried vape ever at all. I smell it uh, on the guys, and it sure looks cool, uh, you know, coming out of people's trucks and cars when you're driving. Uh I started smoking when I was 15, uh, smoked for heavy for 17 years, loved it, uh, quit, uh, I'm a typical non-smoker, I don't like the smell, I don't like uh, smelling on my clothes and stuff, and uh, I think the kids are going to smoke uh, whatever they can get their hands on, I would much rather my two young daughters, when they get older, uh, pick up uh, the vape over dope or cigarettes, so uh, I think they should keep it around. Dorian, that's a great point, and I appreciate it, thank you so much. Uh, by the way, you said you... Uh you quit. You smoked for seventeen years, was it? Yeah. What did you do when you decided you wanted to quit? Uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, it was life insurance that uh, that did it. Been uh, uh, having a young family and got bills, and you want to protect your family, and uh, that was it. I loved smoking, but I kind of wanted to quit. And uh, being declared a non-smoker for life insurance is really what kind of did it. So, you're working for that. I probably still be smoking now. Okay, well, hey, Dorian, thanks for the, the, the comment. Appreciate it. And Dorian's right. I completely forgot about that. I remember when I uh, had to apply for some, that was life insurance on a mortgage, I think, is what I did. So it wasn't a full life insurance policy, but uh, even because I had the occasional smoke, I was classified as a, as a smoker, and my premiums were like an extra 20 bucks a month. So I would imagine on a full policy, it's a lot more if you're a smoker. I never even thought about that in this context. I'm surprised you just didn't look at that and go, oh, that's two packs of cigarettes. No big deal. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take two. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I did. Uh, 204-780-6868. Should flavored vape juice be banned? Should you just be able to vape regular tobacco flavors to get your nicotine fix? So the Portland Mavericks were part of the AAA baseball. They were an independent team. Owned by Bing Russell, Kurt Russell's dad. And there's an amazing movie I watched on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there. The Battered Bastards of Baseball. This was a team, like I said, they were independent. All the teams in AAA and the Pacific Coast League were all affiliated with Major League Baseball teams. They were, they played in a crappy stadium and they basically held tryouts. Do you remember uh, Major League? And they had tryouts for the Cleveland Indians. Well, I don't like saying Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland baseball team, but in the movie, the Cleveland Indians. And all these ragtag guys come out to try out for the Indians because they're trying to lose on purpose, right? Yep. So they can move to Florida. Yep. Same idea, but this is in real life. 
Okay. And they ended up becoming a pretty good team. So Bing Russell, Kurt Russell's dad, owned the Portland Mavericks. And one of the Mavericks, actually Rob Nelson, uh, invented Big League Chew. He was a player, and uh, he's still making a fortune off of it. Wow. Yeah. That is a great story. I can't believe you remember that. I'm trying to pull up. The, what do you call the battered bastards of baseball? The battered bastards of baseball. Oh, there it is. There it is. It is still on Netflix. I just checked it on my phone. It is there. It's from 2014. There you go. Man, look at that little tidbit. Emma is at 204-780-6868. Hello there, Emma. What do you have to say about the vaping conversation? Well, I think vaping is just the greatest thing that's come along in a very, very long time. I was a hardcore smoker. I mean, a pack a day. And I, I would just lay in my bed at night and think, I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to quit. I'm going to die from smoking. I had smoked for, um, I want to say, 20 years. And then they came out with this vaping thing. And everybody was saying, try it, try it. Because I had tried so many other things. Because, you know, as you guys know, uh, you're addicted to cigarettes. Uh, it's very painful to quit. You're a drug addict. And you have to go through withdrawal. And it hurts really bad. And that's why we keep going back to the cigarettes because we can't stand the pain. So I tried these vaping, uh, uh, this vaping thing, and when I first got it, I got the juice with the higher concentration of nicotine. And, uh, wow, it was so great. It's such an imitator of smoking. It makes you think you're smoking, but you're not. And so then what I did was I, every time I went to get another little vial, I would lower the dosage of nicotine because I did not want to be a vapor. I wanted to use it to quit, right? So I would constantly get the nicotine dosage lowered in my juice until finally it was down to zero nicotine. Um, And then I quit after that. It took me from start to finish about two months. Um, But I was on a mission and I can't believe it. No suffering, no withdrawal, no pain just quit through vaping. It was the greatest thing. And by the way, um, you know, I went a couple of times and I bought those imitation extracts. Like you can buy rum extract, butterscotch flavoring, all that stuff. If you want to flavor your juice, just put a little bit of that in there. It's no problem. Oh, (laughs) so you're looking down the road already for if they ever do ban it, you're finding a a do-it-yourself. You can make make your own. (laughs) They sell all these imitation uh, coconut extract, peppermint, uh, butterscotch, caramel. They, they sell all that stuff. So just put a drop. All you have to do is put a drop in your little vial, and it'll flavor your vial, no problem. Well, look at you, Emma. You 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 quit altogether, but you're still coming up with some potential solutions. Listen, I, I've been quit for two years now, and I mean, me, me. Every time I wake up in the morning, I go, "Oh my God, I don't smoke." I I just jump for joy. I'm an ex-smoker, and I never would have quit. I, I tried, okay? Vaping is what helped me quit, and I hope they never ban it because, oh, um, there's two other girls at work that I told about it, and they all tried vaping, and they quit smoking also. Emma, I can hear the energy in your voice. Did you oh, have yeah. this kind of energy when you were a smoker? Well, I'm a pretty energetic person, <laughs> so I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> but I'm just so darn happy now that I don't smoke cigarettes. It is such a monkey on your back you guys know that or brett you know right yep mm-hmm. yeah it controls you and it's minus 40 and you've got to go out for a bloody cigarette i mean jeepers <laughs> you're a dedicated what, what? bunch when you were part yeah, of that I crew know. hey i know i've been there so vaping really it did it for me it that's it i quit and i'm done yeah good, good job emma thank emma, you congratulations and thank you so much for calling us and sharing your story what a pleasure it's been to talk to you oh thank you
All right, Emma, thank you so much. Tony, I see you on the line. I'm going to ask for your patience because we do need to pause and have a look at your forecast. If you Hopefully you can stick around for another three and a half to four minutes. I'm Brett, he's Greg. Tony's on the line. We're talking about vaping, and we're going to get to Tony after your forecast up next. We want to thank you right off the bat here for all your calls, your text messages. We've barely been able to touch the text messages because of all the callers. We love it when you call in your own voice. Uh, We had a backup talker, as we call it in the business, between 12.30 and 1. We were going to talk about your favorite beaters, your your best beater car that you had. We're going to save that for tomorrow. So spread the word tomorrow from 1, hopefully straight through until 2 o'clock tomorrow. We'll talk about the beater car that got you from point A to point B at some point in your life, or maybe it's still doing it for you. Right now we're talking about vaping. And Brett, uh, real quick, I want to ask you, why is it important that we're talking about this today? It's I always like to talk about vaping any chance I get. I mean, the, the reason why we're talking about it is because we're, there's a story out of San Francisco where they have pa- approved a bill that would ban the sale of flavored nicotine-laced liquid. I think it's important to talk about vaping because... If you can if you're a smoker and you can't quit, you've tried everything, you can't quit, you know there's a very good chance you're probably going to get sick and maybe you're going to die because you're smoking. Every smoker knows this. If you can get off of smoking and switch to vaping, there is the, a good chance that you are going to live a much longer life. That's why it's important because if vaping can help people quit smoking, like we just heard from Emma who is jumping for joy that she quit smoking, then I don't know why anybody would have an issue with it. That's why it's important. Tony is at 204-780-6868. Thanks for your patience, Tony. And Daryl, I see you. We're going to try to get to you as well. Hey, Tony, what do you have to say? Well, I'm. Uh, it, it's it's nice to hear people's sides of the story with uh, you know past smokers and uh, people that have never tried vaping or anything like that. I have never been a smoker in my life. I've never smoked anything. I've Oh, oh my no. God! Anything, but I've had one cigar at my wedding, but that—that's it. Um, so I can see my side of it, but my dad vapes. Um, he was a heavy smoker for the longest time, um, and he—he's got a lot of health issues as well. So he's permanently disabled and all this kind of stuff. So he—he he had to give up smoking, and that was his on his own accord because of vaping. He was introduced to it, and then he got introduced to the flavors, and then that got him of vaping even more amazing absolutely amazing his health has regenerated significantly since um starting vape um he uh, he's got more energy all this kind of stuff and then i look on the other side my mother-in-law is completely like she smokes or so does my father-in-law but they smoke they they drink all this kind of stuff and her health is horrible compared and my dad's permanently disabled my, my mother-in-law is not but hers is all caused from smoking um so keeping the, the flavors in, in the, the, the juice is, you know, if, 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 it, if it helps people um, quit smoking, like you just said, if it helps, all the power, you know, the, the, the more the merrier. Um, yeah, we still don't know all the, the health issues um, in relation to it because everybody said it when it first came out that it's water vapor. It's not actually water vapor type of thing. So, it, it, uh, so we don't know all the, the health um, parts of it, but at the same point in time, I'm sure it's a lot safer and a lot better for you than than uh, than a cigarette. Well, Antonio, you, you thank you so much for the call. You saw it with your father. Uh, clearly, it's it's safer. No one's saying it's good for you, but it's certainly not as bad for you as smoking. We do have time for Daryl. 
at 204-780-6868. Hey, Daryl, what do you think about uh, flavored vape juice? Hey, guys, I enjoy your show. Listen every day. Thank you. Um, I would like to say that uh, until long-term studies are done, I don't believe that people should be vaping at all. I mean, I don't know too much about it, but uh, do you know anything about have they done studies on the health benefits? Or Yeah, there have been many studies, Daryl, and it's the, the jury is still out, but there have been many studies, uh, more studies now leaning towards that vaping is not nearly as bad for you. Like We're talking like 99% less toxic than cigarettes. And I can also tell you just anecdotally, when I switched from smoking to vaping, my health dramatically improved, like skyrocketed within three weeks. My lungs went from... Always clogged to completely clear in three weeks. Okay, I this coming January it'll be twelve years for me smoke free. I stopped twelve. It'll be twelve years, and I did it with using. Remember those little round nicotine patches? I don't know if they still have them. That's what I used to quit last year. Yeah, That's what I used that, to quit this or last year. It didn't work for me, so then I didn't have a beer for forty four days, and I haven't had a cigarette since. Have you? Have you at least been able to indulge in a beer? Since oh, then? I, I'll drink under the table any day. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, we'll leave it there. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge, McGarry. <laughs> challenge perhaps accepted. <laughs> Global News at 2 o'clock is up next. I'm, yo, oh, it's coming down. It's coming down. I'm actually shaking. Oh, yeah. No, man, I'm telling you. Try to touch the ground. It's trying to touch the ground. Ten years ago today, it did touch the ground, and it was one of the top weather stories in Canada in the year 2007. The Eli Twister, the only EF5 tornado in our country, characterized by 500-kilometer-an-hour winds. That voice you heard was the voice of Justin Hobson, who is... Uh, Storm Chaser, he posted that to his Twitter today, at Justin Hobson 85. That is video that he took 10 years ago, and he joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. How close were you to this tornado, would you say, when it came down? Uh, When it touched down, I was about a mile south of the town of Eli. You were a mile away from it? Yes, sir. So you could hear the excitement in your voice there where you want, you were, you're thinking, oh, I think this is going to come down. So was this the first time that you had ever seen a tornado make uh, landfall? Yes, that was actually my first tornado. I had been chasing since the year 2005, and I learned what, like, how to chase from the University of Manitoba Storm Chase course. But after that, I would go chasing, and I would just see you know, marginal severe storms, you know, with maybe gust fronts or shelf clouds. But in 2007, that storm, that was my first one. Justin, is there a combination of excitement and fear? Because this is something you're studying, you know a lot about. Talk about the emotions that are going through your mind and and how your body is physically reacting when you're watching this all transpire. And at what point did you realize that perhaps something was brewing here? Uh, the day uh, looked good for severe thunderstorms, well, like, you know, even a few days before. Uh, the thing is, uh, the atmosphere wasn't really conducive to thunderstorm formation at that time because the atmosphere was capped. But what happened was the cap broke and thunderstorms rapidly developed northwest of Winnipeg or southeast of Lake Manitoba. So when I got to that storm, it had a wall cloud on it and I started like filming it. And 
I was already excited with what I saw there because I knew wall cloud means or potentially means tornado. And then if tornado touches down, this would be my first one. So you kind of, the adrenaline kicks in. And then of course the funnel cloud comes down, goes back up. You're like, Oh, and I already had seen that's like already so exciting. And then all of a sudden the funnel cloud reached down and touched down and became a tornado. And I remember shaking. I remember calling my sister. I calling my friend calling. Of course you have to call environment Canada. That was the first phone call, but I'll never forget kind of shaking. You were kind of stuttering. You were nervous. It was all these emotions, uh, fear. I know I was positioned southeast of the storm and it was moving southeast and it, I was positioned to dive south and get away from it, but I guess it stalled out and it really wasn't moving. So I was always ready to go, but I never had to actually leave the spot. So that was also very rare because usually as a storm chaser, when you do chase, you have to get out, film, get back in, film, get back in because the storm is moving. The only thing that I was actually scared of wasn't the tornado itself. It was uh, lightning. Uh, There was lightning off in the distance. And even to this day, that's my biggest fear. Why is it your biggest fear? It's so random. You never know, you know, and if you get hit by that, it's done. Like you, if you survive, you'll have lasting effects and you can get hit with a hailstone. Sure. And even a tornado, you can jump in the ditch and, you know, try to avoid or even just cover your head. But lightning, I mean, it's electricity. We know, we know how bad that is. So when you see the data, you know, and revisit this 10 years later, Environment Canada that says that the tornado was approximately 300 meters wide, stayed on the ground for around 35 minutes. It was tracking 5.5 kilometers before lifting into the air. Top wind speed, as you mentioned, Brett, between 430 and 510 kilometers per hour. And it's all well and good. You know, it was Eli, Manitoba in terms of uh, a populated area. It's certainly a place that a lot of us are familiar with. But this is like 25 kilometers west of the city of Winnipeg. Uh, Not a lot of time would have to transpire for that to touch down maybe in Headingley or on the western edge of the city. Uh, we got very, very lucky as a large community that day. We definitely did get very lucky if you just shift that tornado east. So Portage Avenue is Trans-Canada, right, or what we call the Trans-Canada. And if that tornado touched down north of Portage Avenue, you would have hit what Assiniboy Downs, and then that would have carved south through that Westwood area there, um, and then we're all like Unicity, I guess, and then that would have kept going southeast, went across the Assiniboine River towards Charleswood. I mean, that would have been a different ending to that story if that shifted. Like, I know it was 30 kilometers west of the city, but meteorologically speaking, if you speak on the mesoscale or even synoptic scale, 30 kilometers is not far. So I would say Winnipeg was very lucky that day. So, Justin, uh, on top of being a storm chaser, you're also an operational meteorologist. Why is that still the only time that we have ever seen an EF5 tornado in this country? Are conditions different in Canada than the United States that make it near impossible for this to happen? Uh, It's not impossible. Like, we get tornadoes like the USA do. It's just our our uh, season is a lot shorter. Uh, America has a longer tornado season. And also, America has a lot more people, so there is more towns, more uh, cities, more structures in the way. And to get an F5 or EF5 rating, a tornado has to, you know, damage something first. And it has to damage something significantly, like, uh, you know, wipe a house off its foundation, you know, throw vehicles hundreds of yards or hundreds of meters away, large vehicles, or, you know, like shred forest, everything, just to get a rating or even a higher rating. Um, the thing is, Eli, again, was 
it only hit the western fringe of town. So had that stayed even further west, let's say a kilometer west, you would have missed the flour mill, you would have missed the town, and then that thing would have been rated an EF0. So we can't say that it's, I mean, F5s are rare to begin with in the States and Canada. That's even rare, obviously, in Canada. You just can't say, you know, like, just because we're not in America, we can't get big storms. And you know what? There could be a tornado later on this summer that is an F5. Uh, hopefully there isn't. Uh, but because usually to get that rating, it has to hit something. If it hits something, usually that involves structures where people might live, farmyards where people might live as well, or just you never know. Like, I just don't want to think it doesn't happen because it could happen. Like, we could be talking about this right now. And then next week, there could be a severe weather outbreak in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and a tornado could touch down and hit a city, right? So, Well, and I, I certainly didn't mean to imply that uh, Canada does not have big, massive storms. I just was uh, was curious to know about why we don't get EF5s, and you answered that. So because that, just because there's no damage, or pardon me, let's say there's no damage, but there is a tornado that goes through an empty field somewhere, that could very well right. be an EF5, but because there's no damage, it doesn't get a rating. Right. If they had like a Doppler on wheels or an instrument to measure the wind speeds, you could find wind speeds that probably would be, you know, your 300, 400 kilometers an hour, which would have a high rating, but that EF scale or F scale is a damage scale. So you could say it's an F5, but you kind of can't because it didn't damage anything. It's one of those weird kind of things we have to deal with here, but usually we just use the damage as the... I guess the main indicator for how strong a tornado is. It's sort of the living example of if a tree falls in a forest and no (laughs) one's around to hear it, and the bottom line is you cannot rate a tornado unless there are man-made structures destroyed in order for you to sort of reverse engineer it and and forensically audit uh, what happened. And uh, I think you did a great job of of explaining exactly why that is. And I just want to, anybody out in Eli, anyone that was affected by that storm physically in terms of property or psychologically, absolutely zero disrespect intended in my comments uh, about it, you know, affecting Eli versus affecting Winnipeg, very sensitive to the idea of a small town going through the trauma that they did. I just wanted to highlight how close it was to a major population center like Winnipeg, because we do have have this sense that the perimeter highway somehow some way protects us from these <laughs> weather phenomenon and it's just not the case no not at all i mean even that day when those storms were ongoing and the tornado was touching down there was the red river x in town and i believe they had to evacuate that x because of a thunderstorm that formed near uh, stonewall with i think golf ball hail at the same time as the uli tornado as it was lifting about halfway through its life cycle there was another tornado doing damage uh, near the community of Oakville, and that one got rated F3. So that evening, there was three supercell thunderstorms, and those are the ones that were producing the tornadoes. Two of the three were, and the one that was near Stonewall could have produced a tornado too, and if those things all move southeast, like, who knows? Like, could the north side of the city been hit by the Stonewall one? Could have, you know, Headingley been hit by the Eli one? You know, everything is just, it was such Winnipeg. You know, we dodged a bullet that day, and that storm system grew into a large windmaker that uh, knocked over campers and tents through the white shell that evening, like later on. Justin, have you ever chased any storms in the United States? I have. What's the difference in forecasting there? Because it's my understanding that they have something called super Doppler. Is that, is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, what they have down there, it's the radars have been upgraded to dual pool. Um, it's just uh, they get faster scans and they get more information from this advanced radar. Actually, Canada is upgrading their radars to dual pool uh, in the coming years. So we will be, I guess, on par with what America has. They have different types of warning systems, too. Um, they also have tornado sirens and all that, too. So they're a little bit ahead of us in technology, but Canada is eventually going that way. Justin, what sort of plans have you got for this summer? Are you going to go out and chase storms uh, outside of Manitoba this summer? I have a campsite up in Gimli, a trailer there. I spend most of my days off there. But if I'm on days off and nature calls, I guess I will be chasing the storm. (laughs) Nature calls mean something completely different to you than it does to most of the rest of us. It it definitely does. All right, Justin. Well, hey, thank you so much for the chat. We appreciate it. Um, I guess before we let you go here, as you you said that we're a little bit behind the United States. As far as warnings go, do you think that uh, we've made sort of advances in the last 10 years to try to ensure that something like Eli getting caught off guard like they did in 2007, that this sort of thing doesn't happen again? Yeah, I mean, in 2007, the thunderstorm was well warned in advance. Like, I think the residents of Eli had half hour to, uh, I guess, get out of the way or seek shelter from the tornado. But in the years since that event, uh, there's more people that are out in the field. The cell phone cameras are out. They know how to call Environment Canada. There's the MB Storm hashtag. So we're getting reports in between our radar scans, which are 10 minutes right now. So that allows us to get warnings out faster, and that allows... uh, He has to put more detail on the warnings, like the public reports a tornado instead of saying Doppler radar. And maybe the public will see that as more of a sense of urgency if people are spotting a funnel or a tornado rather than saying Doppler radar or anything. So technology has changed in terms of social media, and our radars are going to catch up soon, so we'll even have more data coming at us. So, Justin, I hate to throw this one at you, but I understand, and this is just coming to my memory now, I think it was Tristan Brett that mentioned this, that the, the tornado warning essentially was not issued for Eli when this struck. Is that is that accurate? Oh, no, that's definitely false. Uh, there was a tornado warning issued. Uh, I actually called the weather office when I saw it, and the tornado warning was issued maybe seconds, if not a minute later. And I believe they had, yeah, it was up to half an hour before because the tornado touched down around 6.25 p.m. local time, and the tornado impacted Eli around 7 p.m. So there was severe thunderstorm warning out initially on it, and then it was upgraded to a tornado warning. Fantastic. Appreciate you clarifying that. Justin, thanks so much for this. Appreciate your intimate knowledge and your uh, recollection of this day that uh, not too many Manitobans will forget. All right. Welcome. Thanks for calling. All right, Justin Hobson. Once again, he is a storm chaser. He is an operational meteorologist, and you can follow him on Twitter at JustinHobson85. He's got pictures and video of that tornado which hit Eli 10 years ago today. We're going to pause and have a look at your forecast up next. 2.23. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you straight through until 4 o'clock on this, the 10th anniversary of the only recorded uh, EF5 tornado in Canada's history that occurred just to our west in Eli, Manitoba. We spent some time with uh, Justin Dobson, who uh, shared his video, his, his own personal video of that uh, of that tornado, and Justin was kind enough to uh, share his story with us. Uh, Pat has given us a call at 204-780-6868. Hey, Pat, what do you have to say about the Eli tornado? What do I have to say? We're lucky we're alive today. We were coming back from BC, and we happened to be going through Eli, but you know, when we come into it, we looked at the clouds, 
And my husband says, oh, it's probably a bad rainstorm. So we kept going down the highway, and as it, we entered it, it got worse and worse. And, and just seconds before we got into the, into the tornado, there was an 18-wheeler that had flipped over. It was blown over into the ditch. We didn't stop. The weather was so bad, and we had, what was I going to do? I didn't know if I should stop. Will the wind blow us, what, or should I keep driving? But we kept driving. The thunder, the rain was so bad. My husband was hanging on to the armrest and to the seat because every time it thundered, the car seemed to jump about a foot in the air. The clouds were just hanging just above our car, and we were in tears. We were praying, and then we get this fellow that figured he's going to get out of the rainstorm. And what he did, he passed us, and all the rain, all the water came us on us. But it was the most terrible situation that we've ever ever had in our lifetime. Could you see the tornado? Well, no, we just saw the black clouds, and then we drove, we end up driving right into it without realizing it was a tornado. We just thought it was a very bad storm. We come through there, and it, the rain didn't stop till we got out till the portage turn off. We were coming home from BC. It was so bad you couldn't see anything. Well, Pat, listen. I mean, we're we're right there with you. We are grateful that you're alive as well, and you uh, you t- well, you, know, you told an incredible story. I'm just you. I felt like I was right there in the car with you. You know, but if we had realized because we had the radio on, but we didn't hear a tornado warning. It was not on the radio when we entered there. That's why I was so shocked that this gentleman said it was warning at two half of an hour before. We heard nothing. Otherwise, we'd have probably stayed back. But it was bad, and we got through it, but it was an awful experience. Thank you, Pat. We appreciate you sharing it. As Brett said, it was like we were in the car with you. I was in uh, Nebraska and Iowa on uh, some very, very stormy nights to wake up the next morning to find out that there had been 12 different tornadoes touched down. And when you're in the middle of it, you don't necessarily know what to do. If you're not well, listening you to the to the right radio station, and now fortunately we have we we kind of kid around here that it's fairly annoying, but we know that it has impact when those digital warnings come from Environment Canada. There's no mistaking them, and they are absolutely uh, we have our fingers crossed as effective as they can be. Exactly, I I believe that. Like it was an experience, and uh, one I wouldn't want to go through, and not till we got home. And when we got home to Lactabani, the sun was shining, and that's what we couldn't believe it. And then they said that was the biggest tornado ever in that, in Canada. And then I thought, oh my God! And we drove through it, but it was an experience. I don't think I'd want to go back through it again. Pat, thank you for sharing your story. Sure. We appreciate thank you, you hanging on the line. Thank you so much for. All right. Okay, take care, Pat. And we're coming up to two thirty on six eighty CJOB, which means global news. And after that, Carolyn Clausen is going to join us. To tell us about how she gave things away on her birthday? One of our favorite half hours of the week. We know it's one of yours as well. Carolyn Klassen is here. We appreciate her time. We appreciate your time. Thanks for spending some of your day with us this afternoon. Carolyn Klassen, connectuscounseling.ca. And we're going to uh, relive Carolyn's birthday, which was last week. So one more time, happy birthday. Thank you. It was a couple of weeks ago, but sometimes when you have a family as large as ours do, we can't actually celebrate as a family until it works for everybody. And that was this week. That's right. We had somebody text us to say it's Carolyn's birthday today. That was were, two Thursdays ago. It was ago. a Thursday. It was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Two Thursdays. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I thought it was last week. 
All the days are running into one another, of course. Uh, you can check out Carolyn's blog. They're all really good. But if you go to connectuscounseling.ca and click on the blog, this latest one is, you tell personal stories, but this is pretty personal. This one, What happened yeah. with regards to your birthday? Yeah, this one was personal and it was fun. Um, it, it was so much fun that I just felt like I when, I, when we first thought of it and we're starting to sort of implement what we were going to do, it never even occurred to me that I would blog about it because usually I don't blog so much about personal stuff. But uh, this one was too good not to share. So... It's uh, the headline, the, the title that you've used for the blog post is Story Full, and you spelled Story Full, F-U-L-L, Gifts. So you know, the first words are, I have everything I need and many things I would want. So what did you well, ask the, for? The idea was is that, yeah, uh, you know, as somebody who's had, you know, more than a few birthdays, um, what did I need, right? I, I, I have a roof over my head, I have groceries in my cupboard, I have people around me that love me. What, if pe- people were going to say, what do you want for your birthday, what was I going to say? So my husband and I, one day we were on our back, in our backyard in the evening and we just sort of co- you know, cooked up this plan to say, what about if we would give each member of our family a hundred bucks and say, go make the world a better place and not give them any other instruction. They could figure out what they wanted to do with it, but how would each kid interpret the assignment to use $100 to make the world a better place? It just seemed like such a fun way to think about it. And then the gift for me would be for them to come back with a story of what they did. And if they could take pictures, great. If not, that's fine. But come back with a story. And so at my birthday supper, instead of giving me a present that I would unwrap, they would unwrap the story and we would all get to hear and share it together. And it just seemed like it could be really cool. And then it was even more awesomer than I thought it might be. (laughs) How many kids? We have... um, so uh, we, I have two biological children, three bonus kids, and we have two, um, two now women that have married in and a girlfriend. And so there's 10 of us when we're all together. Yeah, we're quite a crew. So you, you, you gave like, what, six, seven hundred bucks away? No, we, well, because I want, husband and I wanted to participate too, right? So we, there was 10 people, we gave a hundred bucks to everybody. So it was a thousand dollar venture. But, you know, as people were called to be generous in our community and instead of giving it to a charity, we gave it to the kids to give it however they chose. And so it just seemed like this was going to be an innovative way to give back and to pay forward in the community. People that have been generous to us, now we be generous in other ways. So you spend a thousand bucks on your birthday. (laughs) You do know how birthdays work, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to get stuff. Well, but that's the cool thing is that I don't like how often haven't you had guests on your show that come in and say for everything I give to this agency or everything that I volunteer, I get way more back than I give. And so this was just very much that where I felt like I got my money's worth and more. Well, and thank you for allowing me. I'm just being a smart Alex. I know. Uh, (laughs) So what did the junior tribe members, (laughs) as you call them so eloquently, I like that. uh, What did they get up to? Brag a little bit. Brag a little bit. Okay, so there was a bunch of innovative ideas. One of them, um, he had just about cut his fingers off. So he was sitting at home um, sick from work um, looking on his computer because he couldn't get out much. And what he did was his wife is a labor and delivery nurse here in the city. And he went online and funded the safe delivery um, of a child in another country where there isn't good health care and then safe immunizations for that child as well so that mom and babe would both be safe. Um, And in some parts of this world, we can't take that for granted in a way that we can um, know that we're going to get good health care. And so he somewhere out there, there's going to be a little baby born that's going to be happy and healthy because of his donation. So that was cool. Another one was... um, Uh, One of my daughters-in-law, her mom works with an organization, a church that is involved with the reserve up north. And this 
um, mom has been up there and has taken kids to camp from that reserve. They have a breakfast program up there, and one of their favorite things at the breakfast program is banana bread. And so my daughter-in-law bought $100 worth of groceries and made $100 worth of banana bread, wrapped it up, froze it, um, and shipped it off to the church. And when there's a plane up there that has a bit of room, it's going to get shipped up. And so it's going to be served at the breakfast program in this reserve, and they're going to get yummy homemade banana bread. Like, isn't that awesome? You know what? That's so inventive. All these ideas were incredibly inventive and a way to connect with other people, that whole idea of being wired for a connection, even though you might not actually physically see the first two examples you gave, right. you're not going to actually literally see the expression on the faces of the people that you're going to have an effect on. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really matter in any way, does no, it? No, because we have imagination and we can know what it's like. And, you know, there was one year when I was um, a single mom and I was kind of overwhelmed. It was my first summer. I was like in over my head with all the things to do and to manage and to cope. And I wasn't coping all that well. And I was trying to focus on the kids, but that meant that a lot of other balls were getting dropped. And one day I get home from work and where there had just been a patch of dirt in front of my window, um, there was now flowers. And there was a note in the mailbox that said, um, the garden fairies were by and just want you to enjoy these flowers. And to this day, I don't know who the garden fairies are, but I have a lot of fun imagining all the possibilities of who they might be. And so not knowing... To, to sort of know that there's people out there somewhere that are going to sort of have a smile on their face because someone was generous, that kind of, that makes me smile because then they can kind of wonder who they might be and the imagination of it both ways is just kind of magical. Well, it makes it limitless in terms of its possibilities, it right? It does, yeah. I love that. So, sorry, I had to, I was just a peek behind the curtain. I thought I'd be sneaky and take a sip of water and then I almost choked on it. So I had to <laughs> run out of the room and cough, cough, cough. So apologies for that. So these, did this end up becoming a competition at all? Because to see who could have the, the most creative idea? I don't think so. We would we would sort of check in with each other. We gave everybody about a month. And what we said was, keep it a secret. Don't tell anybody. So there was sort of a lot of like, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? What, you know, how's it going for you? And then, oh, I have ideas, but I haven't done it. So there was sort of conversation and talk about it. But it was really cool how each person could take it their own way so that the introvert among us could do something more online and the people that love one of our kids, he got to know Dale, who's a guy at the bottom of one of the bridges in the city every morning. They would hit the red light and they would chat with this guy for a minute while he, they were at the red light. And uh, one day he said, so what's your favorite restaurant to go to? And the guy says, VJ's Drive-In, right? So the next day, um, one of my kids goes and picks Dale up for lunch and takes him to VJ's Drive-In and t- took him out for lunch several times. And then with the last 40 bucks, just bought him a bunch of groceries that the guy needed, right? And so there was a very high personal and that he's much more outgoing and has courage to get to know strangers, and he did it in a way that could fit for him. So it was kind of a one-size-fits-all sort of surprise. And he got to go to VJ's a couple of times. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> Not at all. Now, husband had a very interesting plan and executed it in a marvelous fashion. Can you share with yeah. us what husband did? Because uh, I really like this. I'm thinking about this one for my kids, actually. I think it's an outstanding way to uh, have an effect on uh, the less fortunate in our community. Yeah, so he went to the store, bought a bunch of toothbrushes, toothpastes, um, soaps, 
some juice boxes, granola bars, a couple of other little things. And then he went to Tim Hortons and got a $5 gift card, a whole bunch of them. And then he came home and I helped him because we, we, we let in each other on what this what we were doing. Um, Ziploc bags and we tucked one of each into Ziploc bags. And then he's just got them beside him in the front of the car so that when he's at the corner of an intersection and somebody's asking for some money, he can hand them a bag instead. And it lets them have some hygiene supplies for the day, some snacks and uh, a cup of hot coffee on a cool night. That's a great idea. I mean, in, in Silo Mission, uh, I've you know we took uh, the tour mm-hmm. through their facility, and they showed us the the big wall of sort of where they hope to have to, these kind of supplies, like toiletries. Mm. And I think there was one bin that had like one bar of soap left. And uh. So this that's a really you know it's a creative and sort of ingenious and just a really great idea. Good for him. Well, I think what it does is sometimes you know when you're see somebody at the intersection and they have a sign that they're desperate for money, it's easy to just look ahead and pretend they're not there. And I think this gives an opportunity to roll down the window and to look them in the eye and ask them how their day is and just have a human connection. And I think we all do better when we don't ignore people, when we pay attention to each other, when we see people that often aren't seen. I think that has an effect in our culture. And I think this was an opportunity for him to be really awake in his life and to notice the people around him that often don't get noticed. And, and you know, I know that that when you reach into your change jar, your pocket, and you do give some money at the intersection, it's not long before you're wondering out loud, oh, wonder what they're going to do with that money, right? So even your your random act of kindness has been sullen or or has been somehow uh, degraded by yourself on your own volition. Mm. You're thinking uh, negative things. You hear you've done this nice thing for someone. You're already questioning about whether or not you should have done it or at least that, that, and I have to admit, that's what goes through my mind when I do it, you know, not every time, but quite often I'm wondering, have I in fact done the right thing in, in, in trying to help somebody out? And I could see that that little package takes all those questions away. And it doesn't even have to be a package if you, you know, you just have a six pack of Gatorades beside you and you pull one out when you need it, right? Just to be able to look somebody in the eye and to say, I see you and you matter and I want to make your day a little brighter in a very concrete way. I, I thought I might see you today and here it is. I think that's a cool thing. Talking to Carolyn Clausen, she is a therapist with Conexus Counseling. You can read her blog post, Storyful Gifts, at ConnexusCounseling.ca, where it tells a story for her birthday. She and the family decided to. Give everybody a hundred bucks in the family, and then they went out and had to come up with a story in a way where they helped somebody with that money. So we're going to get more of those stories after we have a look at your forecast. Up next, <laughs> Steve says, uh, "Can Carolyn give me a hundred bucks? I'll, I'll do something nice." <laughs> <laughs> Greg Backling, Brett McGarry, with you straight through until four o'clock, and we're talking about Carolyn Clausen's birthday. She gave all the people in her tribe a hundred bucks. Ten of them all together, including herself. They went out and they did some very, very nice things, some random acts of kindness and also uh, supporting some ventures uh, outside of uh, the Perimeter Highway and around the world. 
Yes. So one of our daughters-in-law, she has a friend who's quite passionate about, she is involved with numerous women in various impoverished areas in South America who are single parents trying to raise their kids, trying to give their kids an education, a better life. And so she gave to a co-op in a remote area of Guatemala that is going to allow for the development of uh, professional-looking tags for these really sweet headbands. And there's a link on the website if any of you want some really sweet headbands. Um, with upcycle, made of upcycled material, they're woven by these artisans, and the tags will allow them to be really professionally packaged and delivered so that they can be sold um, to various markets throughout the world. They'll be more marketable because they'll have these tags. And so she got a chance to encourage her friend who is passionate about this growing sort of job that she's got where she's trying to empower these women who don't have a lot of options. And then she got to empower – there's a picture on the website of these 15 women in this remote area of Guatemala who the are smiles on their faces. very directly going to be – make their, their, their efforts, the labor of, of – the products of their labor is going to be much more marketable and much more saleable and hopefully sort of word of mouth and people will see the tags and want to – you know, buy more and these kids, their kids will be able to go to school. So there are tags that basically tell the story of where the yes, garments it, or the products come from, like a marketing tag, something right. that you would see so it can be on anything packaged, you buy in the store. Right. So you don't get something just sort of in the mail in an envelope that it's, you know, wrapped well and it's got tags that sort of have it look like it's an upscale fashionable item. Right. So um, that can make the difference between one sale or friends t- buying you know, telling their friends their friends about it, and then you get many more sales by it. So we're hoping that that will make a difference to that community. You said your daughter-in-law already had a tie to this. How did she get involved with that in the first place? So uh, one of the friends that she went to high school with, this is sort of her life's passion. She's gone down there and found these communities and found out what they might want to make and fi- figured out how to resource and is developing sort of a supply link to allow their goods to be sold online uh, throughout the world. What did you do? With- what did I do? I was so excited to do this. I didn't want everybody else to have all the fun. So uh, what I did was I asked a friend of mine, do you know of a project where I could spend 100 bucks? I can do it anonymously or I can you know, get involved however you think. So he put me on to, uh, in our church, uh, we have been supporting a family, um, help them integrate into Canada. They are originally from the Congo. They spent many years in Tanzania. And in Tanzania, they had in a refugee camp. And in the refugee camp, they grew tomatoes and they loved their tomatoes, right? And they loved having a garden. Well, they live in an apartment now and they had no garden last summer. They've been here now for about 14 months and they were desperate to have a little garden and grow tomatoes. And so uh, I roped husband into helping me um, and we went to the lumber yard, picked up some wood. We went to the greenhouse and picked up some dirt. I bought some tomato plants and we went over and with the family, he made a raised planter bed and um, the kids were shoveling the dirt and the Mom was digging holes like, you know, you could tell she dug a million of them, but in her lifetime, she knew exactly how deep and how perfect to make them. The kids were planting. They were going to plant carrots too, but the little five-year-old had the tomato, had the carrot, the seed packet of carrots. I don't know where those carrots are going to, they're going to show up somewhere. We're not quite sure <laughs> where she distributed those seeds. And and then as we were, the little eight-year-old was, Jerome was washing, watering the the plants and um, the little five-year-old, she was running around the raised garden bed singing. And um, the host uh, couple said, you know, she's she sings when she's happy. And it was sort of neat just to kind of just be a part of their lives for an afternoon. And I hope that they get tomatoes. Then did you have to go through any sort of hoops with the landlord? The landlord had already agreed. Um, the, the stumbling block was they like, we don't have a truck. We don't have the dirt. We don't have the wood. We don't know how this is going to get pulled off. And they were sort of 
figuring on, like, is this even going to be possible? And then I just happened to approach the lady the next day and said, hey, I hear you need a raised planter bed. I know someone who could make it in no problem in 10 minutes. And so she's like, wow, this is incredible. Like, it was just great timing. So I guess what's the uh, the takeaway in this? Uh, you, 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 you got together as a family and you, you discussed it. So it, is there a... Is there like a sense of emptiness now that you're you're you you did this was a one time thing? Well, I don't know. It's going to be one time. It was so much fun. We might have to do it again. Um, but I think what we were trying to do was we certainly I wanted to hear the stories. I'm a story person. I love listening to stories, and so the stories were really a gift to me. But it was also one of the ways that we are trying to build in a spirit of awareness and of giving in our kids and. Um, some of our kids are already young adults, and you can't just tell people you should be generous and you should give of your time or your money. I think it, we have to live a lifestyle that the kids get sort of get caught up and realize how much fun it is and that this world is all a better place when we spend time connecting with each other. And certainly each member of our family, we've been helped by people who've cared for us when we've needed help. And so how do we pay it forward and how do we build this global community, you know, share our toys in this global sandbox to make this world a better place. And this was this was a part of a life le- lesson to our children to say, hey, look around you and see what the possibilities are and make the world a better place. And the world is better when we make the world a better place. We, we've spoken about the physiology of giving and that yes. there's an actual, you know, intimate reaction in terms mm-hmm. of the way our, our chemicals in our body uh, give us this gift. And the third last sentence in your blog says, generosity, it seems to me, sorry to read back your own words, yeah. is by its very nature also a form of selfishness. I just think it's so much fun to be generous. And when you give to others and you see the smile on their face and you see that their life is a little bit easier because of something you've done for them, uh, it it just you, it does give you that chemical reward in your brain. It makes you feel good. And it, you just you can't give to somebody else without getting something back from the experience. And so I think it is that the whole $1,000 project felt selfish because I just felt like I got so much out of it. I got to see my kids having fun. We got to hear the stories. Um, and then now, you know, friends and family are reading what the kids all did. And it just, I mean, the, the, the ripple effects of the fun just continue. And so it does feel selfish because I think when we contribute in some small way of making the world a better place, we then have the gift of living in this world that is now a better place. And so why wouldn't we all want to be a part of that movement? Carolyn Claussen is one of our favorite guests. She is a therapist with Connexus Counseling. You can read this blog post where she tells the story in full. It's called Story Full Gifts. You can read that at connexuscounseling.ca. She visits us every Thursday at 2.30 on Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Just got a text message here. I think it's Jason, who is a very loyal listener and texter. He says there's a power outage in the Transcona area. That's all we have if you know something different, more specific, please send us a text, 204-780-6868. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, we're in uh, the home stretch of the program. We're here until 4 o'clock. Then it's Richard and Julie that'll get you home safe and informed on the news from 4 till 7. Brett, um, you like donuts. <laughs> Yes. Am I telling tales out of school? No, you are not. You're a fan of the baked goods. I do like the occasional donut. So when you sent me an email when you're on location today. I thought of you right away. I'm like, oh, Brett's going to love this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's a tweet that says that uh, a local Winnipeg donut shop included in USA Today's top 10 donut shops in Canada. So I said to Greg, should I get them on? 
And he said, yep. So I called, and in studio with us, we have Amanda Kinden, who is the owner of O Donuts, located at 326 Broadway. Amanda, welcome to 680 CJOB. Thanks for joining us, and congratulations. Thanks. When did you get the, the notified that you were on this list? We got a call yesterday afternoon, and I was very tired, had already worked like really early morning, uh, and I didn't believe it. I thought it was a hoax, like that, that can't be possible. USA Today, how does USA Today even know Winnipeg exists, you know? Uh, so I thought it was a hoax, uh, and our, the staff searched for it, we couldn't find anything, so we're like, that's not, it's, it didn't happen. It's and not then, even a thing. It's not a thing. And then I follow other donut shops, of course, on social media, and I saw that they had posted and checked it out. There we are. So that was fun. Well, other shops, oh, the other shops that were on the list? Yeah, in Canada, yeah. So how did they discover O-Donuts? I don't actually know. I haven't spoken to anybody. They don't really make that clear in the post, but here we are. USA Today has been doing a lot of Canada-oriented lists (laughs) in the last little while. They were rating the best places to visit, and you could vote on it. And so uh, USA Today, I don't know, they've got some sort of love affair happening with Canada right now. Is that because Americans want to move to Canada because Uh, of what's happening? If you want to talk about that, we can, but I would rather talk about your donuts. (laughs) Okay, let's do that. And what makes an (laughs) O-Donut so good? Uh, probably a bunch of things. We use some really great ingredients that are local. So our butter, eggs, and flour are all local. Uh, the chocolate we use is fair trade and organic. And we pan make the dough every day. So it's made fresh every day. It's not coming in frozen from somewhere in Brampton. Uh, and also there's a lot of love that goes into them. You mean they're baked fresh on premise start to finish? Baked is sort of a loose term. We fry them. Generally, oh, yes, you know? yes, but yes, start to finish. It's Talk a, more like, like that. Say more things like that. <laughs> it's a it's a process. So the the people come in and start the dough at nine p.m. and a fryer comes in at one thirty a.m. Decorators come in at three and four a.m. So it's a it's a pretty long process, just for a better product. Did better. did I see a, a donut kebab on your Twitter feed? Oh yeah, we did a we partnered with a, a design of like a urban planning firm, they sort of designed it so it was five different donut holes yeah. on a skewer. Yeah, it was like a skewer. Yeah, we did that. Donut kebabs. It could be uh, the best of all worlds. Uh, More relevant, though, is the donut ice cream sandwich we have for summer. What? Yeah, with Cornell cream ice cream, so another local thingamajig. Oh, man, I'm just looking at your social media feed. I'm on your Instagram right now. Yes. Um, what is this? Is that the insta the, the yeah. ice cream sandwich no, thing? That's okay. an Oreo cheesecake donut. So very popular are our cheesecake donuts. So for our birthday, which was just this past May, we did a birthday cake cheesecake, and people are still asking for it, but it's just going to be for our birthday. So, so we've got lots of other ideas can't for cheesecake. Right now. Yeah, we're both a little speechless. Sorry, I would have brought you guys some, but we sold out. So you sold apologies. out of all your donuts. Yeah, that's really? the aim, right? Yeah. Do you do you sell out on a regular basis? Pretty. Like a couple times a week, but not every day, no. So what happens when you sell out? Like, Because I talked to you uh, just before 12. What, what time did you sell out? Um, Like 2.30. What, are you, what time does the shop close? 4 p.m. So what do you do then when you sell out? We close up. You just close, say, sorry, yeah. we're, we ran out. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to start over tomorrow. Yes. So we have basic coffee and sodas and things, but we're a donut shop. So if we don't have donuts, there's really no point to being open, right? That's pretty incredible, though. Like, when you sell out, does, do you feel like we uh, 
we accomplish something. Depends today. on the time. If it's at noon we sell out, I feel like, ah, what have we done? We totally misestimated how much we could sell. Right. But at like three and past, two thirty is a bit early, but totally fine. So you're determined to be there as long as you can. That's a mark yeah. of a true entrepreneur wants to make. Why don't you just charge people money to come in and just smell, breathe the, the air? You could probably get away with that. Winnipeggers are pretty frugal, so <laughs> I'm not sure they would pay for that. Well, I think you should try it. But we have gotten a lot of comments about people just walking down the street and smelling the, the donut waft, if you will. And yes. then further down, there's lilac bush. So it's making for a lovely it, it Broadway experience. Nice, it mingles nicely. Yeah. So 326 Broadway, I was trying to guess. I was pretty close to where you are physically. But for those that don't know, uh, now that want to know, give us uh, your best Google Maps uh, street view impression here on the radio. Oh, oh deal. Um, so by Donald, where Amici Bomblini, that building used to be. They've closed down now. Uh, across from the Workers' Compensation Board building. Uh, just on the corner. Okay, we're going to continue our con. I know exactly where that is. That's perfect description. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. Amanda Kinden is the owner of O Donuts. They have been included in USA Today's top 10 donut shops in Canada. And we want to get more of her story after we have a look at traffic and weather in two minutes. You know what they'd say at a Nashville Predators game about that weather forecast? Hey, weather forecast, you suck. That's what they would say, and they'd say it very loud, and they'd chant it, chant it very proud. You know what doesn't suck? Donuts. Yay. We're, <laughs> we're visiting with the owner, the proprietor, Amanda Kinden, of one of the top 10 donut shops in all the land, O Donuts. Wow. They are at 326 Broadway, and uh, you can follow them on Twitter. And it's, as Amanda uh, told me, Donuts is spelt properly, mm-hmm. and then I realized I was already following you. O h d o u g h n u t s, not the lazy d o. Not donuts. Yeah, donuts. That's what I usually say. I like that. Oh, yeah. very like good. That. Very nice. Uh, you had some things you wanted to cover off with Amanda Brett, and and I was just uh, dreaming about the ice cream. <laughs> ice cream with sandwich the, donut. With the, yeah. Well, well, I'll just let you ponder that for a moment. His eyes are closed right now. How long has O Donuts been open? Our shop has been open since May 2016, but I was renting a shared kitchen downtown and just delivering to coffee shops on my own uh, for eight months. So I started in September 2014. So was the goal always to get your own shop? Yeah, I think so. It was not feasible for me to do it all alone for very long. When did you decide you wanted to, to do donuts, have a donut shop? Yeah, I like to say that donuts chose me. I didn't really choose donuts. I'm not a huge, like I never was a huge donut fan. I was going to just do general dessert catering. And for one event, I made donuts once. And people asked me if I had a card, if they could place an order. And I realized we didn't have that. So this was before, this was probably February 2014. So before any gourmet donut shops were in Winnipeg. It seems to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems to me that uh, just in recent years, there's like been an explosion of of local, like Winnipeg-only sort of bakeries, donut shops. You know, we talked to, uh, we met uh, Corey over at Sweet Sea Bakery in Transcona. There's so many individual bakeries and donut shops. Generate cakes. Yeah. So what is, there? and, and you, there's room for everybody, it seems. So what's yeah. fueling this? Well, I think that, not myself included, but a lot of young people have left the city and gone to bigger cities to try and find opportunities and the markets there are so crowded and it's so expensive to live there. Winnipeg is so affordable, you can basically do almost anything you want. Rent is cheap-ish 
and uh, we're hungry. Hopefully, your landlord's not listening. My landlord's pretty great, so I'm not worried about it. But as as a city, we're hungry for diversity and uh, and just gourmet things. We've sort of been deprived of of good things lately, or you know, in the past. And now right. everybody's just doing things, and the response is great. So now more people are doing things. Yeah, I think there's a real stamp and an identity that goes along with every single time one of these storefronts opens. It's like we're reclaiming somehow yeah. our destiny to to be an awesome place to live. And it, it is kind of one storefront at a time. And if that's what it takes, I'm all for it. Uh, good good on you for being a part of this. Do, do you feel a, a sense of, of spearheading a little bit of a resurrection of, of pride in where, where we live? Maybe. I mean, I think that there's a lot of other places, young entrepreneurs who have done things long before me, for sure. Um, I did make a point to locate downtown because I think what you're saying about one at a time is really important for our downtown. It's sort of there's a lot of complex issues in revitalizing it. And so one at a time is great. We need to have some things before people want to live back downtown. And so and obviously for me as a business donut shop, it's important to be around the office crowd. So that was a no brainer really for me. Yeah, the location must be, I mean, if you can sell out by 2.30, even so you mentioned sometimes noon, how many donuts do you have to make in a day? It depends on the day. Um, for, like, let's say National Donut Day, which was June 2nd or 3rd this year, uh, we made like 1,800 donuts on that day. Oh, my day. God. All that day? Yeah. So that's that's a lot. That's like the whole, that's every staff member is working. And so there's 16 staff. So it's a lot of work. To hand, we hand make the dough, we hand cut the dough, we hand dip the dough, we fry the dough. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of work. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Why do donuts have holes in them? That's a very good question. There's a very good answer to it. Um, if they didn't have a hole in them, they wouldn't maybe cook properly because the dough could be dense. So that's why there was a hole in them originally, so that they would cook in the middle. So is a donut then that is that doesn't have a hole, like a like a Boston cream or something? Is that technically a donut? Yes. Okay. I think fried dough is a donut. Okay. Uh, you just <laughs> because it has no hole. <laughs> yeah. You just have to be more careful about frying it and making sure that it's cooked in the middle. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have to, uh, I think, do go on a research expedition, Greg, yep. and, and make our way down to 326 yep. Broadway. Mm-hmm. Make sure we get our uh, company expensed uh, from the radio station when we take the cruiser down there or something. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank and you. congratulations Thanks on your success. Thank Once you. again, Amanda Kinden is the owner of O Donuts. Located at 326 Broadway, they have been included in USA Today's Top 10 Donut Shops in Canada. Do you have a website? You bet. Odonuts.com. And you can follow them on Twitter, assuming Facebook. I've just followed oh, yeah. them on Instagram. Just look all for... All the things. Oh, <laughs> all the social medias. <laughs> Are you even on the Snapchats? No, actually, I hate Snapchat. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. I draw the line. Weather Snapchat. is coming up next. <laughs> Last night, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights... Surprised everyone in Winnipeg by Chris, choosing Chris Thorburn as the member of the Winnipeg Jets to go there. He doesn't have a contract. He's a free agent in like eight days. So he may never even wear Golden Knights, those ugly uniforms that they unveiled in the last couple of days. The Jets' regular season schedule, 2017-18 edition, came out today. It is the oddest schedule I've ever seen since the Jets have been back in the National Hockey League. They have a 10 game homestand that spans from January 30th until February 20th. They essentially play every other night at home for three weeks. 
that'll be great for the social life. I'm sure uh, lots of uh, folks are going to be happy about that. And if you've got full season tickets, that's a lot of hockey jammed into uh, one part of the season. Then they've got a one, two, three, four, five, six game homestand at the end of March, from the middle of March till the end of March. And uh, the road trips, they, they, they stink too. Like, I want to go to Nashville this year to see them in Nashville. Two Tuesday night games in Nashville, so that's not happening. Maybe the only exciting thing, and the flights are probably already booked, uh, they play in Vegas on Friday, November the 10th. And, of course, Remembrance Day is the 11th, so a lot of people will have maybe some flexibility in maybe getting that Friday off in lieu of the of the holiday on the 11th. So anyway. You're not happy with the schedule. Is that what I'm At getting At first here? blush, I'm not happy with it. Just weird to see a 10-game homestand. I could see it if they were like hosting some big event where they had to go on a 10-game road trip and balance it out. Anyway, the uh, schedule is available. We've had lots of conversation back and forth uh, with uh, with you this afternoon on a variety of different topics, including Carolyn Clausen. Brett was here sharing with us what she did for her birthday. If you missed that, she gave $100, including to herself, to her tribe and it totaled a thousand dollars. They went out and they did uh, really kind things for either someone or an organization here in Winnipeg or somewhere around the world. And uh, we had at least one text message of someone said, love Carolyn's idea for her birthday party. So I, I'm thinking I'd like to incorporate that somewhere along the lines with my kids, I think. Yeah, that's a great idea. And uh, before we get to more of the texts, can we just uh, do this quickly? Well, we give some stuff away? Is you, it okay don't need, if, you don't need my permission. Is it okay if we give some stuff away? Okay. Snake oil gets twisted as in Twisted Sister. What song is this? I would, I would argue that it's not the band's best effort. You don't have to argue. You won't get an argument from me. It's called Be Cruel to Your School. Be Cruel to Your School. Cause you may never get another. All right. It's like a poison song. Kind of, Like a yeah. bad poison song. Yeah, of all and the that's songs. Not, that's not saying a lot. That's a bad song. poison song. Of all the songs I've chosen. <laughs> there is a method to the madness, though. Okay. And I'll explain that in a moment. First. Snake Oil Sinners, featuring Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, Monday, June 26th at the Burton Cummings Theatre. It's described as authentic theatrical tribute to rock's biggest stars. So they're going to have Dee Snyder, one of them, performing with them on Monday, this upcoming Monday. So I chose this song because it has a guest vocalist. Okay? And, I, and you just watch the video. It's insane. It's got zombies and all sorts of weird, crazy stuff. I didn't stuff. give it away with my... No. Nope. Okay. No, you did not. So I chose the song because it has a guest vocalist, and I need you to identify that vocalist. 204-780-6868. Who was the guest vocalist on this song? Be cruel to your school. 204-780-6868. All right. That's about all of that I can take. <laughs> Yesterday's song sounded like a, a, a decent Sammy Hagar song. Yeah. And then this is just, wow. Okay. Yeah. Learning uh, a lot about Twisted Sister the last few weeks since we've been doing this contest. When does so. your book come out? Are you going to be <laughs> going to write a book, book about Twisted, Twisted Sister? Sister? Yeah. I should, uh, I, oh, I should get, uh, what I need to do tomorrow is dig up a clip of 
D. Snyder taking on Alan Tipper Gore in the Senate. I think that'd be great. I think that'd be a nice balance out for that clip that you just tortured us with in the last uh, 90 seconds here. Hey, uh, Michaela is one of our regular texters. She sends us traffic tips. She sends us pictures of changing weather conditions. She is a loyal listener. And Michaela, thank you for sending me this picture. I saw it in my Twitter feed today and on my Facebook uh, to remind folks there's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine story building on Henderson Highway and every single balcony, except for one, has a Canadian flag attached to the front of it. Oh, I saw this on uh, something yesterday. Yeah, in celebration of Canada's 150th birthday. It looks really cool. I don't know if the apartment or the condo that doesn't have a flag is protesting something, or maybe it's just vacant right now, uh, but it still looks absolutely fantastic maybe we get some more buildings in uh in winnipeg to do this it, it looks so neat to see everyone hanging these uh flags and they're hung very nicely they're more or less underneath one another. oh no there's two holdouts there no there's a second one there uh that's on henderson highway don't have the address if you know the address share it with us and in that way uh, people can drive by there and honk their horns and, and wave their canadian flags in support of what they're doing at this apartment building on Henderson Highway. And we were talking about vaping. We had so many text messages and phone calls. Uh, the phone calls uh, took precedence. We, we have that rule around here. Yeah, we do. Uh, I mean, we certainly appreciate the text messages, and thank you so much. And I'm going to try to get back to some of you. But uh, there was one text from Amanda who she, you know, some previous texts that she had sent kind of indicated that she was a little leery about vaping, but after we spoke to Emma, who called, she had this just in, in joyous, inspiring phone call where she said she smoked for like 20 years and never thought she'd quit, and then she tried vaping, and she was able to not only quit smoking, but she was able to also let go of vaping as well. And it was just inspiring to listen to how happy she was to know that she conquered smoking. So Amanda, hearing this, texted us and said, thank you, Emma. I'm going to try. And then a little heart emoji. So thank you, Amanda, and good luck on your journey. Appreciate the feedback. We were having the conversation because San Francisco has voted at least preliminarily to ban, to, to create a law to ban flavored vape juice, right? I'm using that terminology correctly and yep. phrasing that right. And so we want to know, should they be banning this stuff? They're trying to keep this out of the hands of kids. There is concern by some people that these flavorful vape juices encourage kids to try vaping. But when you hear the stories of people transitioning from cigarettes to non-smoking, period, eliminating the vaping even, it's very difficult to to sit back and go, yeah, we got to ban that stuff because this is helping people stop something that is horrible for them. People know it's bad for them, and you'd be eliminating one option that is helping millions of people get off cigarettes. Yeah, and if you, whether you use vaping as a way to ultimately quit nicotine and just leave it behind, or if you simply make the transition from smoking to vaping, you still vape, I still think that's so much better than smoking. I can tell you firsthand, when I switched from smoking to vaping, uh, for I did it for over a year before I actually fell back to the smoking, then that's not vaping's fault, that's my fault. But the, I 
felt so much better. And ultimately, when I switched back to smoking, that's what made me quit everything because I just felt crappy again. I felt so lousy after I switched back to smoking and was genuinely fearful for my health. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm i in full support. If you can make the transition from smoking to vaping, all the power to you. Good for you. And we also spoke uh, about the 10th anniversary with Jud- Justin Hobson, storm chaser, who had video of the Eli tornado 10 years ago today. Uh, we're within about three hours of the exact anniversary, and Tim sent us a text message while we were remembering the Eli tornado and how close it came to the city of Winnipeg. And of course it, it destroyed a flour mill in Eli. Tim tells us the forklift operator in the Eli flour mill left work 20 minutes early that day. If he would have stayed to the end of his shift, the tornado went through the section of building he was working in. Really? Yes. That's from Tim. At 204-780-6868, uh, urban legend. It may be completely true. Um, but thanks for sharing that with us, Tim. We need to pause. We'll have a look at traffic, weather, and we'll hear from Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham to find out what's coming up on the news. 1607 Henderson Highway, by the way, that's the apartment building where they're, they've got all those Canadian flags. If you want to drive by and see it yourself, the whole side of the building has a Canadian flag on every balcony except for two. Kind of cool. There's somewhere, one of the underpasses, they're painting maple leaves on them, too, on boards underneath a bridge. Oh, neat. The heck one is that? It'll come to me. Well, okay. While, while it's it coming really, to you? It was really cool. It was really cool that they did that. What's coming up in the news today? Richard Cloutier, Julie Buckingham? More on Sears, and one of our guests doesn't expect the retailer to actually survive. Really? That this court ordered protection and the closing of 59 stores, including the Garden City store. A lot of the stores in Ontario are the smaller stores that they're closing. And as far as the retailer, Mark Sadoff expects that uh, this is going to go forward. But ultimately, the uh, the, the people in charge of, uh, of the receivership here of the court ordered protection... Uh, are going to end up selling a lot more in the end. Be interesting to see what uh, how this all comes out. Now, Sadoff is of the belief that we just have too much retail out there to begin with, that uh, there are too many malls. Given what's going on uh, south of the border, he says uh, Canada is overbuilt and the United States is grossly overbuilt considering what's happening on the retail side and that this is just the the latest brick that's coming out of the wall. He's just saying they're just not different enough. They're not high-end they're not really low end. They're just sort of there. And the stock proves it about a year ago. It's about $5 a share. It's down to about 40 cents now. And oh the Winnipeg God. example is interesting because uh, people feel signaled out in Garden City. Well, that's a Rio Can um, mall and they're based in Toronto. And Sears isn't getting out of the more A-list malls like Polo and St. Vital. They're going to stay and try to stick it out out there. Uh, but they do think at some point they're going to have to pull the plug. Interesting to see if that survives or not. Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, thank you so much. More on the news from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. Just I need to quickly congratulate Todd Porteous, who is today's Snake Oil Sinners winner. Snake Oil Gets Twisted, featuring Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. And we played a, uh, a song that was not Twisted Sister's best effort. It's called Be Cruel to Your School, and it's spelled... C-H-R-O-O-L 
to your school. School is spelled S C U E L. So they've see what they've done there. They've yes, flipped yes. the spelling of school and they should cruel. have taken as much time to write the song as they did to craft the title and the spelling of such. The, the question today was who is the guest vocalist on the song? And the answer is Alice Cooper. <laughs> Of course, school's out for summer. One of Alice Cooper's biggest right. hits. That's enough of that. Thank I you, Brett. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Jeff Fortier, Master Control. The news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham is up next. And don't forget about Charles Adler.